Dynasty Podcast presents Dynasty Panelcasts, a live panel discussion with industry experts and innovative creatives. Hosted by Haima Black. No RSVP required. Okay. Thank you guys all for being here tonight. Uh, this is our final Dynasty Podcast panel of 2017. Has anybody in here been in uh, at one of our panels before? Yeah, spattered applause. Hey, I like it. <laughs> Very nice. Um, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you, everyone, who is in here tonight at Chicago Athletic. Thanks to Chicago Athletic Hotel in Chicago, obviously, uh, who's been hosting Dynasty Podcasts now for a year and a half in their gorgeous event spaces. We're celebrating five years of live panels. We've been doing those for a while here. They've been a great partner. Really appreciate everything they have done with us. And also really have to give a huge shout-out to Spotify and the Black at Spotify initiative that was so instrumental tonight in putting this together with us. Uh, especially Jasmine Janine, who is here in the front row. Um, Jasmine, who really, really, really kicked ass at making this event really quality. So thank you, Jasmine. Uh, my name is Haima Black. I host Dynasty Podcasts. We are the first ever and longest running music podcast in the city of Chicago's history. Uh, I've been doing this since 2005, so uh, we're slated to hit 1,000 episodes next year. I hope you guys will yeah. subscribe to us on iTunes and uh, come along with us. Uh, tonight we have a killer panel, and I'm going to run down the line, but then I'm going to let them introduce themselves because you guys are going to be able to tell us so much more about you than I ever could do a bad job of doing. Uh, we have, in no order, Ambi Lyrics, Poppy Beats, Thelonious, Martin, Boathouse, and Jack Red. This is a fucking killer lineup. I'm so excited. Give it up for all of our panelists right now. <laughs> yes, you should clap for yourselves, always. So, I'm going to shut up because I would rather hear from these guys. Uh, let's start with Thelonious. Let's have each of you guys introduce yourselves, talk about some of the artists you've worked with. Just give us some insight on who you are and how we might know your work. I'm Thelonious Martin. Uh, worked with Asha Bronson, Currency, Mac Miller, uh, Joey Perk, Chance. I don't know. I, I really hate introductions like that because it's like I, I, I pride myself more so like the work than talking about work. It's mad awkward. <laughs> I don't work. I'm Jack Red, and uh, I'm a vocalist, uh, producer, as well as an engineer. Uh, I've worked with uh, Wyclef, uh, Chance. I'm excited about a project I have coming out with uh, Soraya from Empire, uh, Ohana Bam, Femdot, uh, Vigmas, a few other people. Yeah. Uh, I'm Boathouse. Um, I've worked with Kwaku Collins, Webster X, Allen Kingdom. Um, I'm also signed to Closed Sessions and an engineer and DJ as well. Hey. I'm Ambi Lyrics. I'm a producer and DJ. I've worked with like Smino. John Doe, uh, Mick Jenkins. I don't really want to do that name thing either. So I like long walks on the beach. Hey. All right. Purple balloons. Yo, you already know what it is, man. It's Poppy Beats, man. Uh, I work with a lot of people. And uh, I'm a producer, uh, an engineer. I uh, tour and shit, too. Uh, yep. That's me. That's a good one. That's me. Nice That's to nice. see you guys here. Very nice. Uh, so, like I said, really, really killer lineup tonight. Um, let's start at the beginning for each of you, because tonight we're really going to be talking about each of you as producers, how you approach your craft, how you 
um, how you view your work, how you see yourselves differentiated from other artists and other talents, like all these kind of topics. But let's start at the beginning. How did each of you kind of get your start in production? And also, we don't have to go down the same order every time. <laughs> Whoever wants to start can start. Go ahead, Thelonious. Ooh, that's a mean alley <laughs> Um, I, I think honestly from the introductions we can all learn that producers are kind of introverted we all kind of really don't like talking this much <laughs> uh, but I guess we'll try to give really good answers because this is a really intimate setting I started when I was like 14 I begged my mom to buy me a laptop after I heard Jay Dilla on Adult Swim mm. and from there I started working closely with a good friend of mine named Topaz Jones and that was like my freshman year of high school. I made my very first beat by producing for someone else. And then from there, I was able to learn how to make for myself, make for others. Even spent a year uh, learning how to engineer for other people, which I'll never do again, because I absolutely hate it. Um, my, you know, it's not that bad when like high schoolers don't know how to punch or like they want to do everything one take. It's, and your friends are learning how to rap. Oh, no, it's, no. Um, yeah, and then from there, I. I I was going to school in Jersey. I came back to Chicago when I was like 17, 18. I actually had started working with Closed Sessions hey. when I first moved back over here. And I linked up with a few different artists aside from the people I was already working with and started to branch out a little bit more from there. It was, I don't know, I guess we'll get to the rest later, but yeah, that's how I essentially started out and got established. Yeah, so above, above everything, uh, I'm a vocalist, and so I started out singing. An amazing and, vocalist, uh, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, good sir. That means a lot coming from this guy. Um, but uh, I recorded one of my first songs in a uh, makeshift studio in Memphis, Tennessee with uh, my cousin Toby uh, over a Earth, Wind & Fire sample that I watched him put together on the NPC and some other things. And it was, it was crazy, it was fire. Uh, he ended up going to jail for like 17 years, so I didn't have a producer. Uh, anymore, so I kind of have to learn to produce. Yeah, he just got out recently. Shout out, Toby. And uh, yeah, so after after experiencing that in the studio, I was like, I was like yeah, I was like 15. And uh, in high school, I had a mentor that uh, was the head of our choir, and he actually bought me a computer. Uh, took me to the store and like bought me my first computer um, that I made like all my beats on and stuff at the crib. And uh, Never looked back from there. I think my first like real placement as a producer was actually for uh, McDonald's. It was it was random. That's a crazy first placement, right? You know, it spoiled me a little bit because it was like, wait, this is how much y'all pay for beats? Like, it's okay, like, cool. It's like, oh, rappers? No, no, no. I'm gonna run on McDonald's. Like. Yeah, you feel me? <laughs> and they handed it out with Happy Meals and everything. It was kind of lit. Actually. What? Yeah. It how was can how can cool. you get your hands on this now? It's it's <laughs> I, you know I think it's only a collector's edition now. It might be on eBay somewhere, but like, um, yeah, it was it was a cool experience. But that's how I got my start. Uh, I had a, I guess, a similar experience to Thelonious. Um, I was about probably about 14, getting into hip hop, and um, I grew up in Minnesota, so I was really into the scene out there, like Rhyme Sayers and underground hip hop a lot. I was listening to a lot of like Aesop Rock and Brother Ali and shit like that. So that's that's where I kind of like got my intro. A friend of mine lent me his MF Doom mm, Food and Wu Tang Clan 36 Chambers CDs. And after that, I just kind of hopped on YouTube and saw who was, like, producing the beats and, and what else I could be doing. I tried rapping, and it just was not 
not happening. I would love to hear oh no, you wouldn't. I promise you would not want to hear that. I don't even want to hear that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of did my research a little bit. Um, I saw that a lot of people were like, at least from like old studio videos, they were like making beats on like an MPC 2000 XL. Like that was like, oh, this is how you make beats. That's like what I thought you did. You get one of these and you make beats on it. So. I hopped on eBay and saved up my money and bought a 2000XL. Uh, I was like sampling off of like YouTube from a, like a DJ mixer that I got for like my 16th birthday. And uh, yeah, I like made all my like first beats on that for like probably like two years, which was, I guess was a good way to get intro to the actual like craft of it all is to kind of start with like the basics and like hardware and sampling and stuff. And then because I didn't know any better, I like found out about like logic and fruity loops and that sort of thing and i was like oh man you could like do much crazier stuff with these beats instead of just like making these like eight bar loops for like three years so i got logic um from my dad's work he worked at a theater and he did like sound design and stuff so he had bought that th for his work and i was just like can i put this on my computer and he was like yeah go for it and yeah i just like never looked back from that just making beats on my computer in my room, came to Chicago for college, went to Columbia, and woo woo. yeah, you know, shouts out all my, my Columbia people out there, you know, we out here. Um, but yeah, uh, my, my roommate got an internship with Closed Sessions. He introduced me to Michael Kolar, who um, is the owner of Soundscape Studios. I came through and was like interning as like an engineer, engineering intern for about a year and I lived so close he like opened the studio up to me to like come and make beats in it when it was like open so I would just be there every day making beats in the studio and kind of just like getting to know people from there and yeah I still work out of that same space with shout those same Michael people Kolar. straight up Big shout yeah, out Michael Kolar. that's my start I think everyone's got a Michael Kolar story yeah. Mike Kolar is in the oh, room oh man probably hey. a few <laughs> it's my turn yeah uh, I was around like 14. I tore my MCL and ACL in high school, and my mom had bought me a computer, same as Thelonious. Shout out to our moms. Um, and I used to be like a big Ninth Wonder fan. Like I would listen to a lot of Lil Brother, the Minstrel Show uh, album, like really influenced like a lot of everything that I do. And so I started sampling, and then Ninth Wonder had said like, oh yeah, man, I use FL Studio, so downloaded FL, I had the demo version, you know, the version where you could only like- Can't save anything. You can't save nothing, you can't save nothing. Like you literally had to make the beat then and it kind of like got me into the, the mode of just finishing the actual instrumental. And I just like kept going. I went to Columbia, I graduated in 2013 and I met them people at Columbia. They were the swagsters back then. Um, <laughs> And Good uh, Bug had invited me over. Michael Anthony is my cousin. And my first placement came from Michael Anthony because he was like, hey, Mick is about to come through. You should just come over and like play some shit. Can we say shit? Yeah. Oh, right, oh we cool. can cuss. Shit, fuck. Fuck. <laughs> so <laughs> then I went over there and like I was making a beat before Mick came in. I never knew what he looked like. Like none of that shit. Like never talked to him ever. And um it was actually the Fate song that I did with him. And he was like, you made this? And I was like, yeah. He was like, damn, this shit hot. 
And we've been cool ever since. I've been sending him beats ever since. Um, And just being in like like a space for them people, like I met a lot of other people there. Like they were just like, it was like a, it was damn near like an artist safe haven to say the least. Like they just opened up their doors, which is like how I felt like Chicago is. Like I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. If don't nobody know, I'm not from Chicago. I'm a St. Louisan. I'm a Cardinals fan. I'm a blues fan, all of that. Um, so yeah, I just like, one of my friends told me like, you can't email beats. Like you gotta go out here. You gotta actually like meet these people and like say stuff to them. And I remember like the summer of, I wanna say like 2012, I met people at Private Stock and they just been like inviting me out there. I also used to go to Classics in his mama's basement. Um, it's a lot of people out here that I see used to be at Classics Basement too. Um, and just being out, not actually sitting in front of the computer, like actually getting out here to meet people, which is why I feel like I hate saying who I've worked with too, because at the end of the day, that shit don't matter. Like, it's about who you are and like, cause you're not gonna get in the studio with like somebody who like, I don't know, hates chicken and you like chicken. like. Mm-hmm. You're not really trying to vibe off somebody who's not eating chicken with you, you feel me? So, I don't know. I guess it's just being around people and actually getting to know them and seeing what y'all like and what y'all can make together, which is why, like, I try to go to different studios and meet different people and, like, be in different schools and go to different events just to see what it was like. And you actually meet these type of people at those type of events. And the first question you should ask is, hi, my name is, or who are you, not what you do so that's the that's the motto for me that's how i started getting to be known or whatever (laughs) okay yeah so uh i was in a band in high school um and no one in the band wanted to record our uh, our music and stuff so i was like fuck it i'll do it and then from there i got like really into it like engineering and all that stuff like that would always turn my guitars up louder than a drummer and a singer and all that shit. And then um, after that, I started. I got my first computer from my grandma when I was like what 17. It took me a long ass time to get a computer. Um, and then um, started making beats and stuff. And then I met Jason uh, from Private Stock. It's my dude. He's right here. Give, give him a hand really quick. Yeah, that's my hey. fucking guy. So yeah, so this guy, um, I was working with some producer uh, uh, who was just like taking advantage of me and all that shit, you know, he had me doing all this crazy shit for free. And then, um, and I quit my job because he was like, yeah, man, come on, man, we got this shit. Uh, 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 Will Smith's daughter is going to sing this song and, you know, all you got to do is write it. <laughs> so I, you know, I wrote the song and stuff like that too, right? So I did all this stuff and then, um, you know, that's, that fell through. I could quit my job and I'm like, oh man, what am I going to do right now? And then Jason's like, hey, G, I got you, G. Just come, uh, come live with me, G. And, um, uh, you know, rent-free, just mix these records, G. And I got you. So I, I stay with him. I kind of live with him a little longer than I expected to. But um, my, first, my first placement low-key kind of came from an uh, uh, event that you threw, Jaime. It was, uh, I forgot what it was, but it was at the Music Garage. And he needed to, we had a singer who was part of our uh, indie label, and she sucked. She couldn't sing for shit. I'm sorry. I know I'm saying a lot of curse words, but you said it was okay. Um, so he was like, I was like, yo, let's go to this uh, event. Let's, you know, let's, like, let's meet people because that's like the way to like, because I was just in the studio all the time. 
And I was like, why doesn't anyone know that I'm like, I'm like good at what I do? Then I was like, oh wait, because I don't go anywhere. And then um, I'm like, let's go, like, go with me to this event. And he was like, I can't. I have to like tell this girl she doesn't get vocal lessons. We're gonna like drop her off the label. I'm like, well, why don't you just bring her, and then we can have like a meeting with her in the hallway and shit. So we did that, <laughs> and then um, <laughs> we did that, and then um, uh, she, you know, she kind of like didn't take it too well, but she was so cool. And then she was like, uh, hey, uh, Poppy, want to go with me to um, the studio session like down, down the hallway? And I was like, yeah, sure, let's go. Um, and then I met, that's when I met, uh, what, Rocky Fresh and then uh, and Mikey Rocks. Who, Mikey Rocks was like, cool kids were like my shit. Uh, I lived in New York. Uh, I went to school in New York. I dropped out of uh, an audio engineering school, but I was like, like the rawest kid there and shit. But I was like, this shit's boring as hell. And then, uh, sorry for anyone who goes to school. But it's cool, you know, school is cool. It wasn't, it wasn't for me. But um, so I did that, and then I, I met them, I played them some beats, and then I got my first placement on, uh, on uh, one of Mike Rocks' mixtapes and shit. Yeah. That's crazy. That was that the it. SoundCloud event that I did it at Music Was Garage? it SoundCloud? Yeah. Okay, yeah, he remembers it. Like SoundCloud World, SoundCloud Day or something like that, yeah. Um, wow, that's nuts. I'm just going to hold on to this thing. Um, all right, so um, let's keep it moving, man. Like, what challenges did each of you guys face along the way? And, and it sounds like we're already covering a little bit of it, but, like, what have been some of the major challenges that maybe people don't recognize come along with being a successful or working or professional producer? I, th I think for me, at least, it's just, like, um, realizing like, that the music you put out is kind of like your resume, in a sense. And so, like, I think a lot of people kind of see it as like, I can't believe this is my job and stuff. And it's like, it's a great job to have and it's like super fun and it's something that we're all passionate about. But for me, it took a really long time to be like, like instead of just questioning like why something isn't happening for me right now, would just be like, well, let's get some music out. So like that was like the first, I think like one of the first major things to maneuver around and like struggles was like, oh, you gotta like get moving, like put stuff out now. Yeah. And even to touch on that, like finding finding exactly like what your you know like target audience is in what you do when you're deciding to get stuff out, I yep. think I try to speak for myself was you know a challenge. Um, being versatile and having like a bunch of different tools to pick from, you know, I find that or I found that you know I just kind of want to do a little bit of everything, but to be most effective, you got to have you know your lane, so to speak. And then like sometimes when you have so many different things going on, you don't know where to where to start. And so you kind of end up not starting. Right. But that's like the most important thing is to just start. You know, it's just get stuff out there, just do things you're gonna grow along the way and and build from there. Uh I think um also too um knowing how to deal with uh the artists that you work with and how to get um the best uh, work from them as possible too, because these motherfuckers are crazy. And <laughs> but you know you have to like understand that, and you just have to like deal with that, and yeah, and just like take control of the session sometimes. I think that I think that was part like an answer to your question, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. I would say that being taken seriously, like it's easy to network with everybody and get to know them, but like. Um, I even see this with like some of the female artists, like actual vocalists. Like um, 
you're not taking as seriously because you're a woman. And sometimes it's different being a black, gay, and woman, you know? And um, you'll see like a lot of people get taken advantage of. Like you'll have these engineers say, oh yeah, I need this woman to come in and lay vocals. Best vocals you'll ever hear, but they won't get credit, they won't get paid, and nine times out of 10, those artists that ask for that woman to come in won't even recognize them and then ask them to do it again. And I feel like when I send out instrumentals or even when I'm in sessions with certain people, it's like, oh, who made this? And they'll look at every guy in the room. Oh, damn, you made this? I would have never thought you made something like this. It's like, why? And I feel like in my career, I'm at the point like, everybody in here has seen The Matrix, right? Yes, 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 yes. Do you remember the part where like, um, Neil had, he basically started to realize his potential and he started to start to see through the binary codes and like understand like, all right, cool, I'm about to kick your ass. <laughs> I feel like that's where I'm at right now, you know? I see how I have to move, it's like a chess game and I see what moves I have to make and how I have to treat people. It's also a way of treating people too and how you talk to people and how you inter interact with them, getting out and going to their events, not just going out when it only benefits you. And I feel like I'm at that point where I'm trying to realize that potential and be taken seriously for it. And I don't know if you guys know, I DJ behind John Doe. I also produce and work with her as well. And I see a lot of that happen to her and like other female artists. So I just want people like, when you approach these women that are in the industry, even if it's like, oh, this woman is a blogger, this woman is a painter, anything, support them the same way that they support you because everything is really built off the black woman's back. And I had very much a lot of intention to say this tonight because I knew that I had to. Because if you look up here, I'm the only woman up here. And I'm the only one that was willing to come up here and speak with all these very talented men. It's a lot of power up here right now. <laughs> like, these are powerful players right now. And it, it's almost overwhelming to be up here, but it's an honor because I know all of them. I've seen and heard all of their work and I respect it the same way I respect mine. So I say that that would probably be my biggest challenge that I see everything else kind of comes easy because it is a part of like the everyday life of how you're supposed to treat people. So I don't know. I just want to, um, I pray for understanding and I pray to be understood and I pray to be able to understand people and I pray for the people that don't understand me. So I just try to move accordingly. So yeah, that's my challenge. Yay. Just got mad real. <laughs> Can I say one more thing really quick too? Real. Go ahead. This is. Were you, gonna, were you gonna speak? I mean, I'm gonna speak like really, really, really no, quick. No, this is this is uh, a conversation. We're like, it's not like a. Because this is more serious. I've, I've been joking a lot too, though. But, um, one thing I learned uh, too is uh, is to be patient, and I see that with every single person I, I've worked with, like coming up is. Uh, like, you know, like maybe like your friend had did, you know, your friend got a placement or some shit or like, or like, or something else and, and, or someone who you don't like or who you think uh, sucks. You're like, man, why is this person on? Why, you know, why am, am I not on? Uh, you know, but um, 
shit always happens. For, I say so many curse words. Things always happen for a reason, and no matter what, like you can get, you can fail, and you can fail a lot. And it doesn't seem like you know things are working out, but if you if if it's something that you really want to do, it'll happen at some point. You just gotta be patient. Just be cool about everything, man. Like, that shit works out in the end. I firmly believe that everything happens when it's supposed to. Exactly. And so sometimes when we we see other people's success, we kind of lose our footing and lose where our feet are at in general. Yeah, no, that's that's super important. I think my biggest challenge so far has been uh, I sample a lot. And sometimes I feel like people will be like, oh, well, we can't get the sample cleared or like they'll be more hesitant. And and I love the fact that certain artists are like, fuck it, like... We'll get the sample cleared, or we'll, it doesn't matter. Let's for the sake of the art, and so in that, in learning that is a balance of. Well, I mean, I went to I went to Columbia. I stayed all four years, so for some odd reason, and I studied music business. So, outside of me, I never took any like actual music courses or classes. I never even took a music theory class because I remember in high school, my friends would be like, "Oh no, that's not supposed to sound like that. It's supposed to be like this chord." I'm like, "Does it feel good? Does it sound good?" They're like, yeah, but I'm like, see, shut up. <laughs> and so from that, that's how I approach I approach music based off feel and approach of, because, I mean, this reason I started. I, I caught a feeling from a song and was like, I want to recreate this all the time. And so I, I try to continue to embody that and emulate that. And then while I learned the business side of things, I think to myself, like, oh, damn, you know, I can't sample the James Brown record. That's never getting cleared. Or, it's just like certain things. Like you start to, you start to overthink certain things and start to like, kind of like reduce yourself a little bit in a sense where you're like, oh no, I'm not gonna do that because of this. When in fact that none of that shit ever really matters. That you should never reduce yourself or pull back on your creativity because all this shit is secondhand. Like the business side, the music comes first. There is no business without music. I, ha- I don't have anything to sell if I don't create music first. You see what I'm saying? So like, for example, like Jay-Z just put out an ab- uh, album with a Stevie Wonder sample. like. Got this shit cleared. I mean, he's Jay Z, but in a sense where it's like, <laughs> you, you still have to like, you still have to like create with no like kind of restrictions in a sense because without without Dion even having the idea of like, fuck it, let's let's do a, a Stevie Wonder a record, that song doesn't happen or none of those songs happen without thinking like, okay, maybe I shouldn't sample this. Like, no, nah, no, nah, fuck that. Like, actually do that shit. Like, don't restri- don't restrict yourself. You know, my biggest challenge has definitely been not trying to restrict myself because of the business. Uh, these these answers are just all so good. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the collaborative component of what you guys do. Like, what are some misconceptions about the producer's role with the songwriter, or with the performer? You know, whether that's the misconception on the behalf of the audience, or the musician themselves, or anyone in the studio. Like, just what are some of the, of the misconceptions about the work you guys do? I think nowadays people just associate the producer as, you know, the beat maker. It's like, okay, you just make the beat and then get out the room. Um, I like to take a more classic approach to that role. Like I said, I am a vocalist. I am an engineer. uh, I am a songwriter. And I pride myself on being able to pull something out of the artist, you know, uh, that that makes that record that much more special. Um, and even when I'm creating things, I like to create things ground up. I want to be in the room with the artist. I want to, you know, hey, what are you feeling like today? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's what's the vibe? What are, what are we going for here? And and I think that's 
important to create something that is not only uh, meaningful to the artist, but meaningful to the listener. Because, I mean, if I don't feel it, how can I expect anybody else to? Um, but I think that's a, a common misconception nowadays is that, like, once you've, once you've made the beat, you know, that's, that's just kind of the end of the road. I think all of us should have went to school for psychology. Nah, for real, because... I mean, I, I guess since, in a sense, I, I started producing instead of started beat making for myself. And so I quickly learned that in production, you're very much so the artist psychiatrist as much as you're their friend, probably their least favorite person when they're fucking up. Just in general, just for production, for me, I started like just doing like sample-based stuff and I, I grew in learning how to like tell somebody to play guitar over this four-bar loop or like, hey, we need horns or hey, we need some background vocals for this and like, start to really like learn to compose and I feel like people don't really understand like the sense of like production where it's like nah I'm sitting here I'm I'm telling this this singer to lower his like tone or I'm telling this guitar make like person playing guitar like make it sound more yellow which sounds fucking ridiculous but it'll work feeling listen yeah like feelings it's like you're really sitting there composing an idea that's in your brain and sometimes it's not even you could Rick Rubin the shit you could just be in a room with a bunch of musicians not touch a single thing and be like Two hours later, you have a full song with, with people, and you, you've played psychiatrist, you've played doctor, you've told people to kiss and make up. Like, you've sat there in this, this world that was all created from your brain, and you've made something that's beautiful or shitty, like, depending on the, the day or depending on the song. Because sometimes we'll go through this whole process and scrap an idea. And I feel like, I feel like people only see success or people only see the end results of things and want to emulate end results of things and never want to emulate the process. And so, you know, sometimes people see just the end results of things and don't really see our process and see all the bullshit we go through just to make an idea we had. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a creative thing at the end of the day, too. So there's like no right or wrong way to do it. So you could be, you could be the, the beat maker if you want and like make a beat, email a beat, and maybe something gets made off that. Or you can, you know, fully entrench yourself in like creating the song from the ground up and having like, a hand in every aspect of it. You might not be, like, it might not be your voice on the record, but you're kind of coaching the process, too, and and just helping sculpt it all together. And and I think, yeah, I mean, I'm, that's just a common misconception is that it's it's either one way or the other, or there's a right way or something like that. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's a creative thing, so it's it's up to you at the end of the day. And I think collaboration is, like, the key and, and essential to like making the best stuff because like you can make a great beat and be like this is a great beat and it probably is you know but it's it's just like you open the world to like so much more when like you got other cooks in the kitchen you know so yeah let's talk about self-promotion and and creating awareness around yourselves like you know because I think, again, like we're talking about, for a lot of people, the average listener, they hear a song on the radio, they're not thinking about who the producer is, who made the beats, who's, you know, playing strings on it. So, like, how do each of you go about promoting yourselves and creating awareness around yourselves and creating an idea of, like, hey, this is what separates me from other producers? Like, how do you make yourself stand out? You got to get out. (laughs) You got to go out. You got to go meet people. You have to show them who you are. You have to show them what you're interested in. You have to find out what they're interested in. You have to work with other people. Like, word of mouth is everything, literally. Like, that's, that's my opinion yeah. on everything. Like, 
just try to be a good person and it's gonna it's gonna travel. That and um Thelonious mentioned it earlier, like most producers are kind of introverted. They they find solace in their own minds and like create, you know, their own worlds in their music. So it is difficult sometimes to be your not your not just your only cheerleader, but your best cheerleader um for your own work. Uh is it is it is difficult. I hate doing it personally. Um I'd rather let the work speak. Like, you know, if, or I'll, you know, get my wife to, you know, be my best cheerleader or whatever like that. I think I put that in our vows. I was like, anytime I make a song, you have to be the loudest cheerleader for it. Or that's something. a cheat code. She said I do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, that's little things like that. But no, um, really, and to touch on what Envy said too, like you really have to get out, like you said, uh, get out, uh, be involved with people, be in circles, your best self, you know, be your honest self. That'll attract the right people. That'll attract the right crowds. Put your soul in your music, and the people that can relate to that um, are going to gravitate towards it. But don't be afraid to say, you know, I feel like I'm the hottest producer out here. I feel like I'm not. I feel like this is the hottest record of the summer. I feel. It, you say that, somebody's like, oh, word? I might have to check this record out. But you have to say that shit with confidence. True, true. You can't be like, yo, I think I got the this, hottest record. Or you can't like, this might be. Nah. This, yeah, <laughs> no, nah, it's like, yo, this is the hottest thing you're going to hear all year. And, you know, whether or not the person you're saying that to believes you or not is totally up to them, and you have no control over that. But just really uh, not being afraid to have that conversation and that dialogue and put yourself in the light that you feel you deserve to be in. Go ahead, Alex. Uh, thank you. Um, also, um, besides getting out there, I think, I think that's very, very important. One thing um, I learned from uh, my manager uh, was, uh, I mean, well, it was pretty obvious, like, social media is, like, really uh, important and shit to, like, uh, you know, like, interact with, like, uh, just people, fans and all that stuff like that. Um, he was, like... Hey G, you gotta have like thirty tweets a day, a day, G. And I was like, thirty tweets a day? Like, what are you talking about? Does like, he say G at every sentence? After he says every G all sentence. the time. Hey G. Anyway, um, I just I just can't help myself but like talk like him sometimes. But like, it, it was that though, because I think a lot of people's introduction to me was uh, as an engineer. Um, I, I had done some production, you know, early on in my career, but then um, my engineering got really hot, and and I was doing a lot of like really cool work with a lot of uh, really cool artists here. Um, and engineers especially, like, no one really knows what they do. My family would be like, I'm so proud of you, Alex. Like, uh, what do you do? Like, my mom was like, what do you do? Are you, are you a DJ? I'm like, no, I don't, I don't know how to DJ. I don't know what Serato is. I do now, though. But anyways, uh, it was that, though. It's like, it's like uh, engage with people online, you know? Like, that's a big platform for us and stuff. And to, you know, share what you're, what you're doing with people, um, talk to them. There's always kids, like, hitting me up and stuff like that. And, like, you know, they'll have, like, some crazy-ass questions. But, like, if it's not, like, personal or something, I'll answer them and stuff. But, like, just that. I think doing stuff like that, like, making yourself, like, uh, known um, through uh, those, uh, those platforms is, is really important, too. Because I, I didn't understand why. I was like, what am I going to tell these people? Like, I just took a shower or something. And people do that shit, too, though. But, like, or, you know, I'll say, you know, I'll be like, I, you know, talk about I, th I might have had too many drinks now actually <laughs> but anyway but yeah I, th I think that's really I think that's really important get out there but also engage with people through um, th th social media 
Yeah, I'll, I'll I think that's you, really important. I'll definitely piggyback off that. I use the shit out of my social media. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Like I, I, really, I think I have like almost 19,000 followers on Twitter now. Damn, boy. Oh, no, I, I, I've, no, I've had Twitter <laughs> since like '09. I tweet like way too much because I live by myself, so it's definitely stream of consciousness. Hey. But no, nah, like I've used Twitter to interact with artists, of uh, find artists' emails. Yep. Uh, tweet some funny shit, and then someone will notice it, and then they'll follow me, and then they'll realize I also make music. So it was just like little things like that. Or like I've live streamed like me making beats before and like that'll draw people in or like or just being able to like redistribute music or like music people forgot about. So like today I made an Apple music playlist and a Spotify playlist, more importantly, <laughs> of of just like essentials or like songs I really fucked with that I produced and put them up both on my Twitter today. And just just for people to to see, listen to. And then I remember, like, I, I literally, like, I turned on the Wi-Fi, and someone DM'd me on Instagram, and they were doing, like, a little, like, live screen share of them, like, listening to a playlist. And so, like, it's just, like, those little things that will lead to certain fan interactions, interaction with, with real people. I, I really thrive off that. Like, if you ask me anything on Twitter, or, like, not anything, because that's, that's weird. Don't, don't be weird. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing at myself. <laughs> If you ask me anything on Twitter, I'll I'll definitely like answer it. If it's a, a question about gear, if I know, I'll answer. If it's a question about a song I produced or the process of a song, even something I sampled, which I probably won't answer, <laughs> but I'll do my best to like interact with people because I feel like we know we're only as far we only get as far as our fan base or the people that they really fuck with us. And if you neglect those people, those people will literally turn their back on you. Like you you've seen like anybody that's been like hot for a second. They'll say something fucked up, and we'll forget about them like that. So you're only going to go as far as your music carries you and as the fan base that grew off the music that you created. So talk to the people that fuck with you. Like, interact with these people. These people will show up to shows. These people will buy merch. Essentially, these people will pay your rent. <laughs> and I've paid my rent off my music, and I love that shit. So I will talk to anybody that fucks with my music because, in turn, you're really fucking with me as a person. Like, my music is an extension of me. So if we have, even if, if I'm in an event outside on the internet and you ask me about my music, you're asking me about, like, my well-being and how I'm doing. So I take that very seriously. So, like, I will talk to you and have an interaction with you because that shit is important. So, yeah, now use social media. Go outside. Bowhouse, please say something. I'm talking too much. Everything's been said. I, I literally have nothing to say. <laughs> Hopefully this is not retreading what we just talked about, but... For anyone in the room, anybody listening to this podcast later on who is working on, you know, developing their producer career, becoming a producer themselves, like developing their own production, what advice would you give them? Especially if they're thinking like, well, I can't do this. I don't have a ton of money. Or like, I can't do this. I don't know as many people as you guys. Like, what would you tell for anybody in that scenario? There's no excuses. I got uh, a computer. There's definitely no excuses. I made... I. Uh, when I first started, I was making uh, beats on a $200 Sony surround sound system, sitting on the floor in my underwear in my bedroom, making beats and shit. And like those beats got placed. Uh, they got. I could. I. I, I didn't like even like know that shit was gonna happen. But I was like, oh shit! Like, there's no excuses. Like you can make things happen. We have computers now, man. That shit's crazy. You can do anything. You can like literally do anything. Like there's. There's just no reason to be like, oh, well, I don't have like, uh, you know, a microphone or whatever. You can record that shit on the MacBook uh, microphone. Shit, you can record it, you know, on the headphones. Yeah, 
Like right now, I'm working on a project. I'm recording every. I'm recording all my vocals on my bed. Please tell me it's the rock yeah. album that you put. You said what? Up. Is it the rock album? Yeah, it's very fire. That he heard so, a, he heard a little bit of it. Yeah, I heard thank a snippet. you. I appreciate that shit is it. So yeah. fire, son. But yeah, you know, there's there's never really any any excuse. And I, I hear that shit all the time. I'm like, bro, like or like art, like rappers or whatever, or like producers. Like I was working on uh, the computer I had was like old as hell, and I had to like I had like two gigs of RAM on it and shit. I had to wait for everything to to load up, like, and to play it and all that stuff like that, and like it's very frustrating. But like, you you you'll get out of that, like the whole you know the whole patience thing, like you know like that comes back where it's like, just deal with if you have if you feel like you don't have everything you need right now, you'll you'll have it at some point. But yeah, there's just no excuses, man. You know, it's def- I, I to even like piggyback off that, I feel like people would be like, oh man, like I, I got school, I got this, like. If you have a passion for what, what, what like this, what, what this is, like music-wise, all the other stuff. Will, I, I went to school while getting established. Like I made my debut album while still graduate, like still at college, like going to class. I remember I definitely made the ASAP Rocky most deaf song I made in my dorm room. Like this, this is if you were passionate about this, you'll if you have Wi-Fi in a bus station, you'll download a sample. Like it, it doesn't matter. Like. Mm-hmm. If you're truly passionate about this and you want to put your all into this craft, which is the I think is the most important part, I feel like you can't half-ass this. I don't think I don't think anyone up here is like half-ass any attempt at, at something. It's like if you care about music, there won't be any excuse, there won't be any restrictions, won't be you won't obstacles will seem very minuscule in a sense because I I'll hear people talk about like wanting to do something, and not even just music, just in life, where it's like you'll kind of hear in their voice, they're very timid about it. And it's like, I don't, I don't know, I, I, I would do it, but you know, my grandma dog is sick. Like, who the fuck cares? Like, if you care about something, do that shit. So if you care about music and you want to make beats, produce for other people, sing songs, do that shit. Like, and you put that care and passion that it comes with, I don't care if grandma's dog is sick. Like, I'm sorry, grandma's dog. I'm sorry if anyone has a grandma who actually has a dog that's actually sick. I feel bad. I'm sorry. But like I'm just using an example of like something that's like very like far away from the actual matter at hand. Like if you care about making music, make that shit. And buy and if you make money off music, buy meds for your grandma's sick dog. Let's close out with this, and then we're gonna open it up to QA from the audience. We've got a bunch of people in the room here, and I really appreciate you guys hanging out. Um what do you see impacting artists, producers, music, the, the community, the culture, the commerce? Like, what should musicians, producers, artists, creatives know about going forward? What do you think is going to make a difference in 2018? All these kind of things. I think, I think uh, producers, artists, creatives in general need to know more about music licensing. Mm. That is a magical, magical thing. So magical. That has blessed so many people in life. But yeah, it's, it's, everything isn't just about radio. Everything isn't about, I love Spotify, but it's not, you know, just about Spotify and streaming and everything. Like there, there are ways to, to make a living through your music that are considered unconventional, we'll say. You know, it might not be, uh, the next hot artist coming out that you got a placement with, it might be a startup that's got a thick-ass marketing budget that they want a song for their campaign on, and they're going to run it for a year, you know what I'm saying? And they want to buy you out of your rights, or, or they want to pay you up front or whatever like that. Like, there's, there's money to be made, uh, definitely. And um, 
and I don't believe in throwaway songs as well. Um, I think, oh, I, I have a lot of producer friends who are just like, are sitting on just tons of records that they they feel will never see the light. It's all this trash. No, there is a market for damn near any sound. There is a consumer for for damn near any vibe, any record that's created. Um, I I did a beat back in. Oh, it's funny. I actually did this song, this beat for Vic, like a mad mad long time ago. I want to say like 2011. And it just got placed in an MTV show top of this year. You know what I'm saying? It's just like on some random stuff. Like, so it's just like, there's, there are no throwaways. Like, you, you never know what people are looking for. You never know when something is going to come up. So definitely do research on music licensing, um, sync companies, music production libraries, you know, all that stuff. That's, and that's, that's residual money. That's, that's stuff that's... You're not giving up anything. You letting them use the record, and you can still turn around and, and sell that beat to somebody else that you just got a check for that they're using. Something. I wouldn't. Say, I mean, it's up to you. Whatever you want to do, but like, it's it's you know the 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 point here is like there's it's more to this music game and this producer game than your homie who got hot raps. You know. Yeah. Sometimes people just want to like they they just think it's just one sided. I guess, but just like what. What Jack Red said is just, it's crazy calling you that. It's like, uh, yeah, just know about the business you're getting into and just get in where you fit in and, and maybe you license a song to a McDonald's commercial and then maybe you produce your own single the next day. Like, it's just, it could be anything. And yeah, and, and then, then you're paying your rent off your music and you got, you're comfortable and you can make the songs that you're really passionate about, you know, like. So yeah, I mean, just be aware of the the industry you're getting into. Like, do your research. Yeah, just study and have fun. That's really what I would say. Study and have fun, and the money will come. Like, keep your head down and just work, work and go out, go see what it is. Like, hang out with your friends, hang out with people like these guys on here, and like, find out what they do and learn how to do it and learn how to do it your way and just study and research everything, really. What was the question again? And what, what does anybody in the room need to know about, you know, the music space going forward? Give good advice. Okay. <laughs> I think you guys already said enough. That's good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I will say this before you get to the next question. I open up the Q&A. Uh, I think just as it's important to learn your craft is to learn the business of your craft. So, like, know yes. what splits are. Know what royalties yes. are. Like, yes. Know what a pub deal is. Know the difference between a yes. pub deal and signing to a label. Use sites like DistroKid or Stem so you don't miss out on your royalties on yes. the record you did with your homie. Stem kind of decent, though. Stem decent. They messing up because DistroKid on their ass. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, learn things like that. Like, learn what, you know, splits are, things like that, so that when you do friends or you do records with your friends, or you know your friends put on Spotify and things like that. You you'll get your splits, or like you won't miss out on on money that splits in relationships, low key. Yes, I'm splits G. in friendships or business relationships. Yeah, it's it's wild. I'm still waiting. On, like the ASAP Rocky ASAP Rocky record I did, are still waiting on the splits because it's because people people who I won't name exact who, but like people are still like debating like right. who gets what on the record. It's right. been two years. I want my big ass check. <laughs> That shit hurt.
<laughs> this has been incredible. Uh, let's give it up for our panelists here tonight, man. This is killer. Uh, Thelonious Martin, Jack Red, Boathouse, Ambi Lyrics, and Poppy Beats, man. I sincerely appreciate I appreciate any time that anyone is on one of these panels with me. I, I really mean that. Like, you guys could have been doing anything tonight anywhere. So thank you for being here. Thank you to everybody in the room who is here tonight. Thank you to everybody who's come to our panels before. Thank you to everybody who's going to come out to our panels in the future. We do these all the time. They're always free. So I would love to see you guys out again and again. Um, and thank you to our partners and the people who really helped make this possible, Chicago Athletic Association, hotel. Like, I've worked at different venues. Chicago Athletic Hotel doesn't just like open the door and let us come in. Like they really, really, really work hard to be a great partner in really making these events accessible to everybody. And they have the same goal as us that they want to help put together events where like people can come connect and learn. So I love that. And again, shout out Jasmine, Janine, and Spotify, Black at Spotify, Woo! for being so awesome with this. And the franchise for DJing before and after the panel. Hey, um, yeah. We're going to open it up to Q&A in just a moment. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.